Hi, I'm Fran Whitlock, and welcome back to Community, the Ecovillage podcast. We've been taking a break to work on our online event series, which you can find more about at ecovillagegathering.org. But right now, we're back and planning more episodes that dive deep into everything you've ever wanted to know about Ecovillage life. If you've got an idea for community or a topic you'd like to hear about, you can contact us on our website, geneurope.org. Today we're visiting what in many ways is the heart of the eco-village movement in Europe, and certainly Gen Europe, Findhorn. It's the largest and oldest eco-village in the UK, located in the north of Scotland. The community hosted the first ever international eco-village conference back in 1995, which sparked the growth of the global eco-village network. It's hosted many gatherings since then. It's the host of the head office of Gen International and is home to hundreds of people. But while there's a lot that can be said about Findhorn, from its famous whiskey barrel houses, its spiritual foundations, and its impressively low carbon footprint, today we're looking at a particular facet of its activity and philosophy. We're talking about food. Today on the podcast, we welcome three guests to take us through Findhorn through food from seed to service. Food is a central part of many eco-villages. Growing it sustainably, in harmony with people and planet, the concept of food sovereignty, and the heart of community as we eat around the table together. Today we're having a conversation about the meaning of food, from growing to preparation and serving, and what that means in the context of the Findhorn philosophy. Our guests tell us about giant cabbages, the art of growing people, and cooking as love in action. We welcome Cynthia, a Findhorn chef, as well as an academic and researcher, Avert, who tends the gardens at Findhorn, and Andre, who volunteered long-term in the Findhorn Kitchen. Welcome, everyone, and thanks so much for joining us. First of all, can you introduce yourself and share what brought you to Findhorn and what you do there? So, yeah, my name is Evert van Toor. I'm from the Netherlands. I come from a family of farmers. My grandfather has his own farm, and I really like spending time over there. And I thought I was working on these farms, but it was more playing. And I've got a few uncles who uh, were big farmers. They all stopped now. And I had, I had the wish. We had a farm as well when I was young. But we were, I think, one of the only ones in the family who didn't have a farm. So I was missing that element. And then later, um, I started to study agricultural engineering in uh, Wageningen, Agricultural University. I was doing a lot of physics, mathematics, and that applying on uh, greenhouse systems, glass houses. Actually, I grew up practically and theoretically in uh, with a very intensive way of farming, as we as we use it uh, a lot in the Netherlands. It's a small country with a lot of people, so we need to be very efficient to uh, yeah to survive. Actually, I think that's a bit in our uh, cells in our bones as well. But later in life, I discovered that did not fit me so much anymore. Um, I got then uh, stuck in my job, and then I found a job coach. And the job coach, he showed me a brochure of the Fintor Foundation. And I had a look in it and I said, I'm not going there. All these weird people in these, uh, on these pages, I thought I don't fit there. So, But he kept pushing me, I think, for, a, for half a year or so, maybe a little bit longer. And then I eventually decided, let, let me give it a try. I did experience week. And uh, yeah, my eyes opened. And I think even more important, my, my heart opened as well. And uh, yeah, here I am now, uh, living in Fintorn for the last uh, six years. Uh, we got married one year ago, almost one year ago. 
And uh, yeah, working in Kulung Garden, the vegetable garden of the Fintorn uh, community. And what about you, Cynthia? Welcome. So my journey here starts in the winter 2003. I came to visit the friends and I spent three months here. I just don't have any clue where we're coming to. I just came to Scotland. And since I was a kid, I, I believed I have a Celtic heart. It was the dream, no, with the friend that I almost grew up together. So it was the achievement of my late 20s. Actually, it changed my life when I came here. No, I just look around and I say, wow, I, I am not the ugly ducky. I am just in the wrong place. I went back to Brazil. I was very well settled in my life, in my career. So I didn't have questions about it. I was not questioning where I was. I would just make it even better. So I started to, to study on educational values and culture of peace. I made a, post, a post-graduation in cooperative games and cooperation in Brazil. And slowly, you know, I started to integrate those values in my daily life. I was in a conceptual space trying to, to reach, try to walk through what I was envisioned as ideal for life, but I didn't have any pairs. So I came to Europe to keep studying, to keep improving my life there. I never came back. So I came in 2008 to study a, a master and a PhD based on Salamanca in Spain. And in 2009, I came to Finhor as part of my research and also part of my dream. And I was on the research and so was very appropriated for me to be in the kitchen on that time. You know, I would have time for studying and keep researching. So that's why I went to the kitchen, actually, not just because I love to cook, which I indeed love. It was convenient for me and allow myself to do something that's not brain like just to be grounding. I felt very grounded in the kitchen. So that's I started my career as chef. And last but not least, Andre, can you tell us what drew you to Fintorn? Yeah, thank you, Fran. Oh, it all started for me when I was a kid, because my father went to Fintorn in the 90s, and I grew up with those fairy tales and stories about Fintorn and how things were there. I grew up, I did two different uh, universities, one in professional kitchen and communications. Uh, It didn't fit for me, neither... I worked on those areas and didn't really work out for me. And I went to Europe to see different stuff and try to to stretch my my perception of the world. And I had the opportunity to go to Finhorn with a friend. She was living in Scotland and she invited me because her mom had been in Finhorn in the 90s as well. So we went there during Easter time, 2013. And that was a really profound experience for me, a life change experience, a week that I will never forget because of a lot of perceptions and exchanges. And I saw a different world in the same planet. And that was really strong for me. And also because the day I came back from Finhorn, I met Emily, my love. And two years ago, so after five years, uh, I went to Finhorn with Emily in our self-made camper van, and that was also for her a life-changing experience. And since we are traveling through different eco-villages in Europe, always doing volunteering and experiencing love in action, because that 
changed my perception of work and perception of how to relate with action. And that's it. Thank you. So in the eco-village world and in and in some spheres of the wider world, Findhorn almost needs no introduction. It's perhaps one of the best known intentional communities, certainly in Europe. But for those who aren't necessarily familiar with Findhorn, could you give us just a short introduction to the community? Okay, I can start. I say something. What comes to my mind is that we have three principles. The first one is inner listening. The second is um, co-creation with nature. And the third one is work is uh, love and action. For me personally, the, yeah, on the basis of uh, what I'm doing here. Cynthia. And yes, we are also always improving and trying to upgrade our installations, our way of living. So it's always questioning how neutral we are on carbon and all the levels of sustainability is always being questioned and revealed here. So it is what made us uh, famous globally, allied with spirituality, which is a ecumenic place. You know, when we talk about spirituality, we don't talk about dogma, we don't talk about religion. We have a different kind of uh, spectrums of spirituality that are welcome in the field. And our practices as a spiritual practice are the three principles that Ava just mentioned. You know, the co-creation with nature, work is love in action and inner listening. Thank you. We're here, we've gathered this group today because we wanted to talk about food and food is at the heart of community in many ways. Uh, sharing a meal is usually the moment in often very busy community life when people pause, they get together, they talk about their days, they connect. But apart from the social aspect, food growing and preparation can also tell us a lot about a community and what's important in a community, right? So some communities are very focused on food production and self-sufficiency. Others, you know, may follow a particular diet, for example. And in Findhorn, food also has a special place that is linked to the philosophy about work and service, kind of the pillars that you mentioned, Evert. So can you uh, talk a little bit about that? Can you just talk about maybe the Findhorn garden, the Findhorn fields and what the growing philosophy is there? Um, yes, I was uh, thinking about growing food, and I think it was a long time ago. The philosophy was about uh, growing food, and then I think it was Peter Caddy saying, like, we need to change that attitude and we grow people. And for me personally, I like to have it both, actually. We grow people and we grow food. I think that's the best uh, philosophy. Yeah, as I said, I'm an agricultural engineer, and I... I'm educated in uh, sustainability as well and the whole philosophy behind it. So I think growing food as close home as possible and enjoying it is one of the best things you can do, actually, at least for me. And how do, how do you grow people? I mean, what do you see the link between growing food and growing people is? I, I don't think I grow the people. I think the people grow themselves. And I think the main thing is to open up the heart as it has done with me, and it's still doing at me, and still it continues to training as well. It's about the heart. If the heart's not open, uh, the things don't work here. <laughs> um, and maybe that's one of my biggest learning here in six years. If my heart is not open and I want to convince somebody of something, it doesn't work. Yeah. And in terms of agriculture, is Fintorn self-sufficient, or is that not really the goal? 
It's not self-sufficient, no. The main thing is not just about growing the food, it's about growing people as well. When I came here, I had the wish to be very efficient and effective. And I still have that wish somehow to to be self-sufficient. And it's also important to tell actually that we live in quite far up north and we can only grow food in a certain, in a short time of the year compared with, for example, the Netherlands and other countries. I think living in an eco-village, you need to have the wish to be uh, sustainable every time, actually, because it's a a hot topic uh, in the world and I think mainly in the Western world, actually. Now, obviously, food is kind of a whole, it's a whole chain. There is everything from, from the seed to the service. And we've talked a little bit about food production in Fintorn, but there are also kitchens. People from this very large community actually come together to eat. And Cynthia, you've been working um, as a chef in Fintorn. Is that right? Thank you for asking. From I just love very much what uh, I've heard from Avert paraphrasing Peter Cad, we grow food, we grow people, no? For me, it's quite linked to that uh, in general. We are in a spiritual community, no? So for me, it's a big part of the Heligari, is where we connect again with life and all levels, uh, food sovereign and, and care and the wreath of passage of each season, of each uh, moment of growing of life till the moment it doesn't grow anymore so it's a rising of awareness connect with the care itself so for me this connection to be close to nature and have this possibility in the kitchen to follow all the cycle that we and andre we experience together you know for me is a change of consciousness you know where we go for what matters in life which is life itself, not just human life, but life. And I'm based on a park kitchen or in the kitchen now because we don't have park kitchen so far. So yeah, and we just have one kitchen team, which is myself and Pia Parada, which is the name on Avert. <laughs> Avert Zoo, which is his wife. So we work together, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, that was beautiful. Now, we heard a bit from Evert um, how kind of the Findhorn philosophy um, is reflected in, in the, the food growing. But what about in the kitchen? How do you feel the relationship between Findhorn philosophy and the preparation of the food when you're working? Well, indeed, I think this is a big part of the beginning of that uh, story here. No, from the big cabbage that they make them famous in the neighborhood the way the, the place grows around you know, where they were gardening and the kitchens and the founder, Arlen Kadi, meditating and cooking. Sure, we know if you read, if you can read their biographies, they had a call, you no, know? they knew in between commas what they were doing and the call were to stay. And it's all involved in this food production, you no, know? from the garden to the table. So for me, it's very essential for for what we are. Thank you. Andre, I want to ask you in a minute about your experience, but could someone, I don't know if if Cynthia or Eva, you could um, tell us about the giant cabbage, because I actually didn't know about the giant cabbage. And it sounds interesting. I I want to do that together with Cynthia, because I don't know how many pounds that cabbage uh, was actually. It was kind of 19 kilos of a cabbage. Oh, uh, okay. Something so like... 
Yeah, the story the story about it is uh that scientists said like you can't it's not possible to grow such a big cabbage in the north of Scotland and that 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 we could prove you that we were able to do that and the secret behind it is the communication with the unseen world. So so when did this when did this happen when who who planted this cabbage when when was this was it this at the beginning in the beginning I don't know the year in the moment of the, the hippie movement, the feminist revolution no, in the early 60s, half of the 60s. So in the park here with their, their caravans and spend time here gardening. No? So that, that is what made the place famous. Can I just ask a, a kind of more practical question? For how many people, more or less, um, is Findhorn are people cooking for? How many people eat together in Findhorn on a normal day, maybe? With the burning of the kitchen, the COVID restrictions, we are not eating together now. So we have all this, this grieving and this transformation. Uh, before, before the COVID, we were cooking in the winter to about 40, 50 people when we're just the family. And in the summer, it's minimum everyday 100, lunch and dinner, minimum. Uh, we have been cooking for more than that. We have done feijoada de Brazil, André and I and Emily. So we had a beautiful event and we have about 150 people. And so we ha I have the pleasure that I hold the last Christmas as well. So on that kind of event, we could go for 150. But sometimes we had events. So in the CCC, the Climate Change Conference in uh, 2019, we have been cooking for more than, than 300 people. Um, I don't want to take too much more of your time because I'm sure people have things to do. But I, I do want to um, just ask a few more things. Um, so obviously, the, the, you know, we're talking about food and food growing and, and sharing meals, kind of the heart of a community in many ways. And earlier this year, Findhorn really suffered a terrible loss to that heart of the community in a way. A fire destroyed uh, the community center and the sanctuary. And so one of those places also where, where many people cooked and ate together. And I don't know if there's anything at all you would like to share about sort of your personal, what that meant to you personally. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, uh, I can speak about it. I want to say I'm happy to speak about it, but I'm no, I'm not happy, but I'm open to speak about it. Uh, yeah, because what you just Cynthia was saying about uh, the the time that we that we are living now with the COVID thing, I remember the last run shift that that the kitchen team was doing because I picked uh, Pia up from the kitchen and and four of them, they were closing the kitchen at that time, and that was uh, such a such a strange time because we were just opening up, I think, for brunch cooking again. Not to eat there, but to, to pick it up, wasn't it, Cynthia? Yeah. Take yeah. Care. Yeah. So it was just a time that was uh, opening up. And I, I had that such that longing to eat together again. And then it got disturbed by the by the fire that we had in the kitchen and in the main sanctuary. And I think it's it, it's with this whole COVID thing, uh, it has been so hard to come together. And that missing, uh, sometimes I forget to see myself how, how big that impact is we can't form the circles anymore and just um, have these meetings that we have now, like called, it's the best of the worst, actually. Um, yeah, it's a big missing, uh, not not being able to share the food uh, to, uh, to, uh, together and uh, to tell the stories and uh, 
to mm-hmm. to help each other and, and sometimes the times that are not so easy but yeah I'm, I'm, I'm missing it yes it's important to share the mm-hmm. it's not only the food that you share it's just it's just so much bigger the the things that we share during the meals and uh, so yeah it's yeah it's it's missing and it's I still avoid very often to go to these places I notice like I don't want to see it I don't want to see where the CC uh, is and yeah, it's there's, so there's still there's still sadness in me that I sometimes need to give myself the time and space to feel that as well. And at the same time, I can also say like what I also noticed in the, after a few days after the fire was a lot of people were standing there uh, at the side sharing these beautiful memories they had from that place, the beautiful meetings, and I was so. I, what, that was really strange to see as well. So many smiles on the faces of people. So many uh, good memories. I think, and I think you know, nothing can disturb that. They can take away the building, but all these good memories, they 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 can't disappear. So it's that um, appreciation for the place as well. Um, with that light, with that inner knowing, I think we will be able to build up something new. So true. And the last happy event we have had in in the in the in the main sanctuary was the wedding of Everton and Pia. Yeah, the year have been so 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 tough for us in many levels. We've lost Dorothy straight after Dorothy. The week after uh, Dorothy passing, we had the lockdown. And it was a massive broken in our culture. No, we are not living in a town that we close our door and and we don't connect, which might be also very might be no, we know have been extremely disruptive for everybody. And I think the lack of connection, yeah, it's changed a lot. Uh, I don't know if it changed because it's still changing. We're still in a transition. We still didn't recover for all these traumas. No, we're still trying to find our path. And the best event that we could have ever. There was a well, the biggest moment of happiness last year in the sanctuary was the wedding of uh, Pia and Everett that I have personally deep gratitude for that. And I know many of us follow that. And yeah, so after that, we mostly didn't use the places. And when we started to reopen, as he said, we were about you know, to, to, to receive us again. And and so it happened. So thank you. And I mean, it's clear that Fintorn has been a truly life-changing place for for all three of you, but also for thousands and thousands of people over the decades who've come, you know, for a few days, for a week, who for months, who've stayed to live. It's truly a place where you wherever you go, you meet people uh, who've passed through Fintorn and they've had really truly very deep and life-changing experiences there. Now, I understand that after, you know, with with COVID, with things being closed down and uh, with the fire, it's been a very difficult time. And there is a fundraising page open, um, findhorn.org slash donate, where anyone who feels moved by the mission of Findhorn um, and its education and its philosophy uh, can help support building up the, the buildings again. But as you've all said, it's really about so much more than the buildings. It's about the people, it's about the heart and the soul and the philosophy of the place. That's really the most important thing. And I think that's what you've all transmitted 
through your stories is that, um, you know, no matter what happens, kind of this Findhorn spirit and the meaning uh, lives through through the people and their hearts. And it's been very, very beautiful to hear about your your experiences. Um, so thank you for sharing so openly and so so warmly about about what Findhorn means to you. It's very, very beautiful. Hey, Fran, if I can add something about it, I was thinking that the last day I was in Finhorn, Craig, one of the elders, uh, I lived with him in his better house. He told me something he said in his own way, like funny way of speaking. Hey, mate, you have been infected with the Finhornian virus. And no matter where you go, you will bring this virus with you. And that was before COVID strike it. And now it makes a lot of sense for me because I'm totally trying to spread this Finhornian virus as most as I can. Because this place has changed so many lives that I know, people close to me and other people that I met around. And they have this idea in Finhorn of the Phoenix. It's an old idea in the community. And they even have the Phoenix Bar. They did a, a beautiful mosaic in the floor in front of the Universal Hall during the pandemic. And this image, this idea can be a really, really strong energy to build up and make the phoenix rise again from the ashes and may open the wings and fly. And when the time is the good one and the restrictions are not there anymore, they may open the community again and receive people and offer to the world the strong energy they have. And being the city of light, shining that light again. It's a message of hope, a message of peace, and I'm really grateful for everything you have done in my life. From the seed to the kitchen to the people, soon you will be cooking again. If you want to learn more about Fintorn, including how you can visit the Eco Village, as well as live streamed readings and meditations from the community, visit fintorn.org. And if you want to support them to rebuild after the fire, you can do so at fintorn.org donate. So if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably curious about Eco Villages. Maybe you've thought about founding one yourself or trying living in community for a while. But pretty frequently, one of the big grey areas for people interested in eco-village lifestyles is the economy. How can you make a living? How can communities stay coherent while existing in a capitalist system? If these kinds of questions spark your curiosity, we've got an event for you. This coming November 13th and 14th, we're hosting an online gathering about eco-village economy. How can we create successful economic models centered in trust, cooperation, ethical practice and well-being? while simultaneously providing financial support to ourselves, our communities, and wider society. Learn more about the event and register at ecovillagegathering.org. Thanks for listening. And if you're enjoying the show, don't forget to rate or review wherever you get your podcasts or send us a message via our website if you have ideas you want to share. You can listen to more episodes at geneurope.org slash community podcast. Special thanks this week to our guests and to Andre Petrao for producing and editing the episode. <laughs>